Tens of thousands of people have evacuated the area around Lake Tahoe as the Caldor fire continues to burn. The images of the megafire are surreal. And what's at stake are people's homes, livelihoods, and a place that so many people in California know and love. It's because of this place that we have these emotional ties to is in jeopardy that so many people care about it. Today, how California's iconic Lake Tahoe could be forever changed by this moment. My earliest memory with Lake Tahoe was when I was probably five or six. I have this memory of like being thrown off a boat and like told to swim in the in the middle of the lake and me being freaked out because there's big fish in there <laughs> and you can't see the bottom, right? Because it's like 1,600 feet deep. Ezra David Romero covers climate for KQED. He's been out reporting on the Calder fire these past few days, and he joined us from his hotel room in Carson City. When people think of California, they often think of South Lake Tahoe, Yosemite and South Lake Tahoe. This fire, you know, was on the other side of the ridge and it wasn't getting as much attention before, but when it got to this iconic spot, now it's getting worldwide attention. Where were you when you found out that South Lake Tahoe was being evacuated on Monday? I had just driven into South Lake Tahoe from San Francisco. I was in a parking lot right next to the lake, figuring out what I was going to do for the day. And some police cars or sheriff cars like pulled up near me and they started banging on doors. And that's a sign that, you know, they're evacuating. And then I looked at Twitter and I realized, oh, this is the evacuation happening now. And then I want to talk to the officers. And they said, yeah, th there's an evacuation order now. And then within half an hour, the street behind me, the main street through the town, was packed full of cars. And then for the next four or five hours, that line went for miles. A long, long line of cars waiting to get it out. And where are people going? People are going anywhere they can. Um, people are camping in some places. Um, one of my sources said she's in the Bay Area now. I went and got some beer last night, and uh, the owner of the store said she has five friends from the South, L South Lake Tahoe area that she's hosting until they can go back up. So I think everyone's doing their part in a way they can. What's your name, first and last name? Thomas Hodep. How long have you lived up here in Tahoe? Uh, about 20 years. And you live in the van, or? Yeah, yeah, a lot of us have been doing the, the van life here, the ski resorts, and nice. rent's just out of control. The first person I talked to, he was telling me he didn't even know there was an evacuation order, so I actually had told him he should evacuate. And then after our conversation, a little bit later, I saw that he left. A lot of us have been here so long, we don't really want to leave. You know, this is our home. Um, so we're going to go over to Nevada and wait and see what happens and try and get out of the smoke. People were waiting to leave, you know, I think because fire hadn't happened in Lake Tahoe for a long time. And, you know, South Lake Tahoe is like the city in the mountains. It feels very urban, even though it's very rural at the same time. It sits in this area where there's like forests right next to like a Ross. So people were waiting, and I think that was evident by the 
miles of people trying to leave as soon as the evacuation order hit. I talked to another lady Jennifer Blackwell as she was trying to leave and she had already evacuated once. She lived in a town called Myers. She was staying with her son in South Lake Tahoe and then when the evacuation order she and her son left and she owns a um paddleboard company and her son was going to try to get some stuff before they left. Is this a surprise at all? I mean, that th- we're going through this at the moment? Um, I'm, I'm surprised. I, th- I didn't think that the fire was going to come past the ridge. I am, I'm a little surprised. I just think people overall were a little surprised by the evacuation and were hesitant to leave. And there's also the sentiment of ownership around this area. They love Tahoe. You know, it's this iconic place in California. It's mountains. It's beautiful. And they don't want to leave this place unless they have to. I want to ask a little bit about the Caldor Fire itself and some of the ways that it has affected communities around South Lake Tahoe so far. Um, Just what is at at stake there? What is in the area threatened by the fire? Well, this is a fire that's really big. You know, it's over 100,000 acres, and it's already burned more than 400 homes. Um, And that's mostly not in the South Lake Tahoe area. That's the area west on Highway 50. It's done a lot of damage there. But in South Lake Tahoe, The fire came over this pass called Echo Pass, and if you've been to Tahoe off of Highway 50, you know this. It's this moment where you drive over the ridge, and like Tahoe comes into view, and you feel like you're seeing an ocean in the sky. Below it, there's all these houses mixed in with trees, and if you're passing by, you may not even know there's houses down there. Because it looks like this valley blanketed in green or brown with trees, and so... That's the area fire crews are trying to protect. When we just talk about risk overall, you know, there's 20,000, 30,000 people that have homes in this area or that live there. All their homes, all these businesses, all these casinos, um, all these like paddleboard shops, and there's lime scooters all over South Lake Tahoe. It's, you know, it's an urban place. So when we, when we see all those businesses and homes, we're seeing livelihoods, we're seeing vacation rentals. I talked to another family who had been there for 60 years. Their home is in the area that the fire went into, and I think they're probably unsure if their home made it at this point. But at the same time, this is perhaps the area in all of the Sierra Nevada where there's the most forest management happening in one place. And that's because there's 65,000 people around the lake. There's hundreds of thousands of people that visit here. Every year, there's more people that visit Lake Tahoe than Yellowstone and Yosemite combined. There's millions of people visiting here. And that means there's a lot of people at risk if a fire happens. And so forest management teams, they want to do like, they want to manage whole parts of this ecosystem for wildfire. But the sentiment I hear from fire officials and fire scientists that I've worked with for a long time is that even with all that, all this is at risk because the threat of a mega fire and the embers that fly in, they shoot like little rockets a mile ahead of the fire can start new fires. And so all of that is still at risk, even though there's all this work here. Ezra, I know you've spent a lot of time out there in 
Tahoe, both personally and professionally, and you actually created an entire podcast uh, series about Lake Tahoe for Capital Public Radio called Tahoe Land back in 2019. And in the opening scene of that podcast, the listener hears you kind of imagining yourself driving through Lake Tahoe in the year 2099. The year is 2099. And the area is on fire. Now that I'm over the pass, I don't even want to open my windows. I can see why. So many cars and a forever cloud of smog and smoke. And there's a red glow on the north side of the lake. Another wildfire is burning. The east side of the lake is already charred black. Erica, it's totally rocking my world thinking about that two years ago, We did this hypothetical scene. I got in arguments with my editor. Like, he thought it was too extreme, this scene. We came to a medium. And he actually texted me two days ago and was like, Ezra, like, you were right. The scene is worse than we actually wrote. It's sort of surreal. It's surprising in some ways that we're here right now. I didn't think we'd be there in two years. But at the same time, it's not surprising because of all the factors set up against this place, you know, a hundred years of forest mismanagement or like not burning drought, all these people living in a forest and then climate change on top of all of this, like so many factors all together. It's surprising that it happened in the exact spot that I wrote about, you know, the exact spot that came over the mountain on fire. But I did talk to the mayor, pro tem, Devin Middlebrook, Mayor Pro Tim, City of South Lake Tahoe. He's been a source for many years. He was like, Ezra, that scene you wrote. And you were talking about driving up 50 and the smoke and the char and and the fires, but it was something that you said was, you know, in 2100 or 2050, uh, but it's something that's now happening today. And with the IPCC report out that came out a couple weeks ago about, like, the climate impacts are happening faster and worse. It's definitely becoming a more dire situation than anyone uh, had imagined. But I do think that events like this really are a rallying call and a thing that our community and and South Lake Tahoe is a strong, strong community will rally around and um, come out better on the other side. This kind of makes sense that something like this could happen in a place like this, in an iconic part of California, where it's not just climate change, where existing inequities are, and then climate change on top. It just creates this perfect little time bomb. It's almost unreal, honestly, to watch, hear from the Bay Area what's going on out there. And as you had mentioned, Lake Tahoe is such an iconic place to so many people in California. I'm curious, what does uh, Lake Tahoe mean to you, and how has it felt to be there during this time? Tahoe is this place that kind of feels like home to me. And in some ways, it feels personal that this fire would happen here. It's also professional that I wrote this podcast about this area and work for CAP Radio, where this was our coverage area for four years. So it's, it's this mix of personal and professional. But at the same time, it just feels like a symptom of the problem. In the podcast, there's this line 
where one of the people say something like Tahoe's a victim of climate change. And I think that's what I'm thinking about. It's sort of a sense of loss inside of me. But then at the same time, it's a sort of a sense of like showcasing the power of climate change and the power of tools we're not utilizing all at once. And so maybe this whole thing up here is a lesson about our future. And maybe we can draw some things from this incident here about how we manage our future. Maybe it'll speed up the timeline of actually doing projects in the Sierra Nevada. Like I've been a reporter for nine years covering the Sierra Nevada and the issues here are the same, right? One, mismanagement of forests. Two, climate change, which is brought on by fossil fuels, which is brought on by a few people in power who run big companies, right, with fossil fuels, and then all of us who drive our cars and things like that. We're in the system as well. So all of this is human-caused in some way or another. So I think it's just an interesting moment to be alive and be here and to think about can we learn from this or will we continue on in the way we've always done things. Ezra, thank you so much and stay safe out there. Thanks for having me. Ezra is continuing to report on the Caldor fire, talking to people trying to fight it and people who were evacuated. And the big question for so many is whether or not they will have a future in Tahoe once it's safe to return. One person Ezra talked to was Chelsea Cunningham, who's lived in Tahoe for years, and she's worried about what could happen to her mobile home and whether she'll be able to afford to rebuild her life there. Yeah, if it burns, then I can't afford to live in Tahoe anymore, which is unfortunate because I was born and raised there, and Tahoe's changed drastically over the, the course of my time being there. And it makes me sad to say that I can't live in the place where I was born. This episode of The Bay was produced and cut by our editor, Alan Montecilio. Christopher Beale produced and scored it. The tape and interviews you heard in this episode were recorded in South Lake Tahoe and Carson City by KQED climate reporter Ezra David Romero. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.